The Diocese of Harrisburg invites you to this year's annual women's conference, The Eucharist, Jesus in Our Midst, on October 15th at the Diocesan Center in Harrisburg. Speakers include EWTN's Barbara McWigan, blogger and hobo for Christ Meg Hunter-Kilmer, spiritual life director Catherine Fennessy, and our most reverend Bishop Ronald Gaynor. Our speakers will focus on the courage and confidence faithful women find in the Eucharist. Attendees will also be able to participate in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament with benediction, confession, and Mass celebrated by Bishop Gaynor. For more information and details on how to register, visit hbgdiocese.org. Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Troche, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. I want you to close your eyes and picture something with me. It's Sunday morning. The pews are filling up. Mass is starting, and at the back of the church, out of tune and off the beat, you hear a toddler wailing, followed by the immediate shushing of a parent and the dropping of a few hymnals from a preschooler. You try not to stare, but it's hard not to. The priest is doing his thing, and you're trying to pay attention, but you can see this little family struggling. Eventually, they get up and shuffle off to the narthex where... Behind closed doors, you see the same toddler playing on the floor, their cries mostly muffled, and the mother lets out a deep sigh of defeat. You just witnessed a millisecond of that parent's day. The rest of it was probably filled with similar antics, but in the comfort and privacy of their own home. Does this sound familiar? And for the record, that's me nearly every time I take my circus of a family to Mass. Parenting is hard. It's really hard. It's not just the sleepless nights or the early mornings or the coffee that's been reheated 17 times because you forgot to drink it. It's the patching up boo-boos and watching them learn to trust and sending them off to school. It's an incredible roller coaster of emotions on a minute-by-minute basis. And somewhere in there, we need to introduce them to Jesus to show them the way of our faith, and to teach them how to be children of God. I often find myself wringing my hands while praying to Mary. How? How did you do this? How can I be more like you? I'm sure as a baby, Jesus cried or spat up, probably broke his best pair of sandals on more than one occasion, or dirtied his clothes right before a big event. I mean, it's even documented that he took off without telling her, to go preach in the temple, and he was barely a teenager. 
And he didn't have access to a cell phone or video games or even got behind the wheel of a car. Parenting is hard. It's a vocation that requires discernment. It's a lifelong journey, and it doesn't end when our kids are grown. So what hope is there for parents trying to raise little disciples in today's society? To help answer this, I've asked Adam Earhart, a father and director of family ministries for the diocese, to give me some practical 21st century tips on how to embrace the moment and play the long-term Catholic parenting game. Just a little bit about myself as far as parenting goes. I've been married 16 years. My wife and I, we have six children, um, and they range from teenage to toddler. So we have uh, various experience. We have a special needs child as well with Down syndrome. So I guess you could say we, we have a, a good range of experience when it comes to parenting. Definitely runs the gamut. Runs the gamut, but it's also enough experience to know like that we don't, know it all and and obviously we haven't arrived at some kind of level of perfected parenting right we're (laughs) we're still very much challenged every day in the parenting endeavor but so that's a little bit about myself as far as talking about raising kids um, and what that means and one of the things that really struck me when you reached out about this was the fact that raising children is never something that ends right it's Obviously, the child grows and their needs change and all of that. But um, our children are our children and our relationships with them hopefully will be long lived and we can uh, always be in that relationship with them and guide them and, and interact with them and engage with them. That, that's one of the things that struck me first was the dy- dynamism of it. And each kid's different, right? So even if, let's say, there's different ages and their needs change as they grow, but it's also each person is unique, right? So one kid's strength um, might be another kid's weakness. Um, one kid's way of learning might be the bane of another's existence, right? Like, they're like, don't teach me like that. Um, or being taught even is just, let's not do this, right? <laughs> like, so like, as they grow, it gets kind of complex, but even just in, inherently, each kid is just different and God made them to be utterly unique. And that's good news. But it also presents a, a kind of difficulty for parents that think it's one way and everybody's got to be the same and taught the same, et cetera. And I say this from experience, you know, stepping in that puddle many times um, and not shifting my footing. Right? <laughs> just continue. No, this is how it must be. You know, it's, kids can present different challenges in, in that regard. But I think one, one of the principles of this is, is kind of to be open and receptive as well as kind of like leading the charge, you know, as parents, like that dynamism or that movement or that change is something we have to be led into as well as leading in a sense by the, by the Holy spirit. So I don't know if you want to. No, that's great. And I, my husband um, in a previous life used to work in management and he Mm -hmm. talked all the time about different management styles and about how different employees would learn or right. perform differently based on like so he would you know sidestep his management style to get the performance that he needed out of the employee based mm-hmm. on what their needs were so i really like that because you talked about shifting perspectives and i sometimes we need to take a managerial approach to parenting and it's not a do as i say all the time you know right dictatorship it's it's about learning how your kids are 
so vastly different. Mm -hmm. Like you and I were talking before about my youngest son starting school and he's so excited. And then my oldest son is like, seriously, Mm -hmm. why, why are we doing this right now? But today everything is so much different than it was when when we were growing up. Mm -hmm. And and before that it was when our parents were growing up, like it's the world is ever changing. And I feel like it's just continuing to get harder Mm -hmm. to raise our kids like in the Catholic phase, like, how do parents nowadays like even stand a chance at succeeding? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like what are some of the things that we should be focusing on? Yeah. And I think that's an awesome question. I think success, you say, how can we succeed? And it's a good question, right? That is the question. How do we uh, accomplish the goal, right? Or how do we succeed at at this? And one of the things we, when we think of success, we're thinking of like the end, what's the end of something, Mm. right? We can't say this, you know, we can determine our success by way of if we're reaching our goal, right? Right. Or we're always goal. looking for a finish line. Right. Or what is it? What is that? And I think that's that's one of the questions we have to start with. Um, and obviously, we can answer it that question in many ways. I mean, and rightfully to say, it's it's life with God in heaven, right? That's the end, right? But I think we can oversimplify that sometimes and think that means just getting them to be somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. Getting them through the thing of life to get them to the real thing or the real life lived let's say um but i I think i mean obviously there's a truth there that heaven is our destination right but is it simply just to get them through stuff to go somewhere else or is it it about engaging with them ushering them into the experience of god's life relationship with them now right through the stuff of life right because it's one life right it's not like they live a life on earth and then they die and then they're given this different life, right? Or there's someone else. Like God creates them, right? Utterly unique, as we, we, we mentioned briefly, like with their strengths and their weaknesses and their challenges, many challenges. <laughs> uh, but their triumphs and their, and, their, and their voice and their laughter, whatever, all their uniqueness, right? God creates because he knows they're beautiful and good. And there's something he wants to bring to life in them that, Nobody else can bring to life in that particular way, right? That's their calling to be themselves. And their life is an integral whole, right? Body and soul and life on earth and life in heaven. And we baptize our children for the, to, to bring them into communion with God here and now, right? Although it's not fully realized, it is in this moment, in this life on earth, as fully realized as it can be, right? Like baptism, communion with God. How do we as parents bring them into contact with that how do we help them engage with that reality like this is who i am here and now and how do we usher them into that kind of heavenward journey right which is life on earth right it's not that this is the end all be all but it is good and it is god extending relationship to us through our lives right through our parents through our engagement with reality as a whole how do we as parents help our kids come into contact with that. Now, again, if success is, uh, you know, hopefully one day them being in heaven with God, a successful parent would say that um, I was able to help them engage with God's will in their life, right? I was, I was able to help them see reality for what it is and engage with it, right? Enter into it, accept it, rejoice in it. And these are things that I think for us to, in order to start doing or like start trying to 
how do you usher someone into something or bring someone into something or pull back the veil? Like we have to have experienced that ourselves. So I think one of the things is there's there's no way of, I think, successful parenting without in this in this regard, without having tasted the goodness of the Lord, right? Without having walked with him or not having walked with him is a past thing, but walking with him, right, in every day. So we can look at what that looks like or what, what that entails. But ultimately, it's like, hey, if I'm on this journey with God, if I'm engaging with the reality of my life and the depth of its meaning, which is ultimately being with God, uh, being my body being the indwelling of God, right, the temple of God in this, this cosmic, mysterious way, if I'm not really on fire about that and happy about that and rejoicing about that, how can I say you should be happy about that? You should be or that's what your life is. I mean, it's it's a great vision, right? It's a picture that or a picture, I guess. Yeah, a picture or a vision that exceeds the limitations of our mind, because like we wake up and we see things and we engage with it on a very limited scope or a very limited way, because that's all we can perceive, let's say if we're not engaging with it on a spiritual way as well, like where everything has meaning, every instant can be filled with eternity, right? I mean, that's, it blows our mind, but that's, if that's real, then there's something to uh, sink our teeth into. And it's something to really do that work ourselves, to enter into that ourselves, and then kind of, as our kids grow, kind of continue to usher them into that reality. Like, don't just see it for what it seems to be, right? There's more to this. Um, so I think success is that engagement. It's an active, ongoing engagement with something ourselves. And then helping expose that to our children for, so that they can then start to engage with it themselves. Now, with a toddler, it's going to look different than with a teenager, than with a 30-year-old. But again, it's that lifelong journey, that process. And I think it's an adventure, right? It's a, it's a pilgrimage. It's a journey that we're on ourselves. So if we're not discovering that, if we're not receiving that with great joy and and depth of prayer and all these things, then our our children are more likely not going to see that as something they want. Or, you know, if it's just something, oh, yeah, I, I, I was taught this once and I believe it and it's in this book. Check it out. Okay. And you, they read the catechism or something, which is good. You know, I'm not dogging it. It's beautiful. But if, if that's what our faith is, if that's what being Catholic is, like, might as well be science class or history class or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not what it is. It's a lived encounter. It's an experience, engagement. And it's all about love, right? So there's there's all of these levels of it that if, if we're leading in that way, then I think that is going to um, be conducive to some level of success here on Earth as parents. Yeah, and I love that image of, of being on a journey and on a pilgrimage. I mean, if we're on a journey to build our own relationship with God, then raising our children to have a relationship with him is is kind of like they're walking beside us. You say, right. "Come on, let's go on this journey." I love that. I think mm. that's I think that's very powerful. And again, with setting the example for our kids, I remember my mom used to get up really early in the morning, like before the rest of us were up for school, and she would sit and read the Bible until mm-hmm. like we got up. And it wasn't until I was a parent that I realized why she got up so early. And it wasn't because she was a morning person. But first of all, she needed that peace. And second of all, yes. she needed that time alone yes. with God. And now I'm like, oh, because she was setting the example mm-hmm. for us. And, you know, we didn't I 
for sure didn't engage. I was like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm reading yeah. the Bible. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, whatever. But now I see how that kind of formed my relationship with God, especially as a parent, like needing 20 minutes where nobody's talking to me or yes. touching me or needing something from me yep. when I can just go to God and like get my cup filled mm -hmm. back up. And it's, it's no secret that like we have this huge impact on our kids in that way, like whether we know it or whether mm -hmm. we don't, but sometimes it's hard, especially like when you're in the thick of it and they're just doing everything to grade on your nerves to resist the temptation and say like, what's wrong with you? I like, know. why can't you do what I'm telling you to do when they're acting out? And more often than not, they're just reflecting yeah. our feelings. Like maybe they've seen us react negatively and mm -hmm. they're just like, well, that's what mom does. Mm -hmm. That's what dad does. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm. So what are some ways that we can maybe like work on self-regulation? So when our children reflect our emotions, they're doing so in a Christ-like way, or even how can we work on our relationship so that they are reflecting our relationship with God and building yeah. their own? Uh, it's, it's, that's well said. I mean, it is, first of all, just listening to you um, and just thinking of my own experience, just, you know, there's so many ways that we can fall you know, um, and allow the enemy in because I, I think he, he loves nothing more than sowing discord in the family, right? Or or putting barriers uh, between uh, father and son, mother and daughter, mother and son, whatever, between parents, between uh, spouses, uh, siblings, etc. Like dividing up the family is a, a huge victory for the enemy um, because the family is given this amazing task that's way beyond its ability to um, achieve itself right which is ultimately to be as as pope saint john paul ii said a school of love wherein um, we learn many things about relationship or interrelationality right like it's not just independence like well, i'll get away from my family and be a self-made person on my own i don't autonomous. need them right i don't need anybody I'll, or I only need people when I want to need them or when it's convenient and then I'll toss them, I'll use them or something. Like that's not the way we look at life, right? It's there's relationship and uh, there's interdependence. And so when people depend on us, it can be very difficult when we're trying to, you know, get our own space and we all fall prey to, you know, needing more uh, just personal space than our kids will allow, you know, but we all do have a need for, that silence, um, as you were mentioning, your mother, and that need for for uh, time with God, um, solitude, where we can uh, kind of regroup and, like you said, have that um, refreshing kind of uh, space where we can be filled uh, with our peace and with, with God's presence and we can bring Him into the rest of our day. The bringing Him into the rest of our day is the thing that needs to be very intentional because others' needs do claim our time and our space and, and our thinking and whatever it is and so one is that there's that constant uh, temptation i think but there's also uh, i think a need to recognize that we're in need of, of mercy and grace while we're parents we're, we're expected to you know be just and to take charge and to make things happen and we do need to do these things but we also need to be recipients of, of God's mercy and and also be granters of mercy, right? It, to be examples of forgiveness. And as our kids grow, they, they recognize that 
um, we're in need of forgiveness too. Like it's like we we give for, like we forgive uh, each other. We forgive our spouse. Or we forgive the child that you know we correct uh, in love, right? But we also need forgiveness ourselves. Sometimes we need to ask forgiveness from our children for having failed to be as loving or as patient or as or as kind. Um, I've done that many times. Just you know, I mean it. it, it at some point, it's one of those things like, wow, I'm asking forgiveness again for something that I've failed to do before. And so like, you're, you're like, oh, I'm kind of, I don't want to ask forgiveness again, or it's going to be a bit. But I think it's better than ignoring the fact that we failed some, in, mm. in some regard, right? Mm-hmm. Like us as parents, we don't have it all together or figured out. Sometimes our emotions get the best of us. And we don't necessarily respond to a person. We react to a behavior and we're not seeing them for who they are. We're seeing the behavior and we're reacting it because um, reacting to it because it's bad, maybe, right? It's it's a behavior that needs to be corrected, and yet we correct it in a way that's um, not loving. And and so it's it's one of those things that I think if if we see ourselves as always in need of God's mercy, and uh, on on that journey of conversion and contrition, right? So the sacrament of confession, penance, the sacraments here are huge. So uh, as as in all things Catholic, right? Like the grace that we need to be what we're called to be. There's that that relationship of again dependence. We depend upon God to give us what we need in order to be who we're called to be. And um, I think in that space of prayer in the morning, or that space that we carve out for ourselves, we're we're praying to have our cup filled. We're praying to be forgiven and to be guided. Um, I think of Psalm 51, you know, uh, the miserere, where we're praying for um, God to forgive us and to, to cleanse us of our sins and, and to to give us his spirit, right, to, to guide us. Um, and so this, this kind of, uh, this need to really just fight for this relationship with God so that we can have that kind of similar relationship with our kids so we can be the parents they need because it's not easy, right? It's, it's like you were saying, like it's, it's, uh, there's so much out there in the world that's vying for our kids' attention and for their, um, their, their interest and their, you know, these kind of uh, competing values in life and all this. And I think the enemy uses our impatience and our, you know, oh, you say God is love, or this is the adventure of the Christian life. And yet, you know, you, you, spaz out or something you know like it, it happens right so how do we we have to be we're, we're not ultimately in control entirely of our behavior like it's not just like i mean we have the ability to choose and, and to discipline and, and things like this but beyond that we're in need of god's grace in order to fight these things fight the temptations see it for what it is right because sometimes we can't see it for what it is and so that need for grace conversion forgiveness um in our own lives as well as um the mercy and forgiveness we give to our children. Absolutely. And there's two things that you touched on that I want to circle back to one being the sacraments and then the other being discipline, because you're right. Like difficult situations are going to happen with our kids. They're, they're going to do stuff that, that we don't want them to do or that are not safe. Mm -hmm. And it's the difference between demanding obedience in the moment and demanding obedience for a lifetime. Like mm. if it's a safety issue, obviously they need to, you know, don't cross. Like right. 
you react immediately and sternly because you're you fear you fear for their safety mm-hmm. versus you know you shouldn't hit your sister right. or you shouldn't like or taking other people's emotions into consideration like my oldest is having issues with teasing mm-hmm. his brothers right now because mm-hmm. he thinks it's funny right. and is explaining to him that there are different types of humor and there's mm. yeah you know it's about building a relationship and you talked about having that first having that relationship with god and mm-hmm. like we're not perfect we're right. we're gonna mess up we're gonna need to ask forgiveness from god and from everybody else because the only perfect parent is mm-hmm. is god yeah but how do we you know respond to these difficult situations and make corrections and impose natural consequences while still instilling virtues like do you have mm-hmm. any examples of ways that we can kind of do that in the moment or things mm-hmm. that we should think about yeah I, I think that you mentioned obedience and if we think of you know saint paul uh, talks often about the obedience of faith and this idea of of giving ear or, or entrusting something to others like there's a level of trust with obedience now there's kind of um authoritarian like you must obey and and there is a role in the family like authority is important but it but it's an authority of father son mother son kind of relationship right it, it's an authority of love and trust right like ultimately little kids are more responsive to more hey don't do that it's and and they're like okay as they grow they're trying to understand why you know like why shouldn't i do that like like what is it about that that isn't good because i thought it was funny <laughs> like it, it satisfied something in me you know and and i think like if we're honest with ourselves even as adults like we, we're going through a similar thing right we need to obey we need to give ear to uh, our our father in heaven right there, there's we're not like the end all be all sovereigns of all things right like we're children too in a very real way that we're growing in the virtue obedience is is something we it's part of it's a principle of our lives right? it's something that we always have to it's a it's a posture we also always have to have and, and cultivate and so it's like this entrustment this trusting now we have to recognize i think as our kids grow and, and in our relationships we mentioned last like some of the temptations to kind of overreact or um, these kinds of things that we struggle with like the more we do that we do damage some trust right like it's it's like oh i do it so for my instance is like you know if it's like like an habitual thing one of our kids does and you've addressed it a couple times you know maybe the fifth time around you're not going to be so like okay let's uh let's go over this again like it's going to be like look i told you not to you know and, and so like there's relational things there um trust maybe like maybe i don't want to talk about it or i'm not going to bring it up because i did it again and if i bring it up he's going to react or she's going to you know there's this we have to always understand that like in order for them to really hear what's being said we have to be wary of like those pathways of communication like if there's trust issues here or we've failed previously you know to communicate something how can we be aware of where that person is what they're feeling, the shame involved, right? Because when we do something wrong and we we start to know it, there's going to be shame, right? We want to feel guilty. There's going to be like things that we're going to be struggling with as, as people. How do we as parents kind of address all like the dynamics of this? Because the truth is when we sin against others, 
um, which isn't just a bad behavior. There's there's something there that is uh, contrary to love, and that like that's kind of like the key. It's like okay, there's something there that isn't just a no no, but it's a missed opportunity for something better, right? Something that's actually going to fulfill you. Now, as kids, like little littles, uh, littles, like it's 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 hard to like really get on that level, and they don't need to be on that level, right? They just need to understand. That's not good. It hurts someone's feelings, and you shouldn't do that because we're we're supposed to love them and be nice and and help them be happy, right? Or some something silly like that, which is true, right? But as the kid grows, um, they need to be able to grapple with the reality of of sin as being a, um, an opposition or a rejection of the call to love or the call to serve. Or the call to see others as they are, which is beautiful and good. You know, for God forbid that we miss an opportunity to um, re- respect and and edify and, and love another person, right? Like, it's a sad, tragic thing. And so in the context of a Christian life lived, the obedience or the, the, the kind of cultivating that posture of obedience is i think in a lot of ways showing the magnitude of the affront or the offense or the 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 sin which isn't just a shame 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 on you right it's there's a wound here right when we sin against others there's a wound that maybe we 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 create right or a, a wound that we inflict on another person there's also like a wound incurred, right? It cuts both ways. Like we're, again, we're not just independent, you know, isolated things like bouncing off of each other, right? We're we're made for relationships. So sin wounds relationship. And as, you know, kids start to grapple with how does my behavior affect relationships? You know, we can help them see like, oh, there's a better way, right? There's There's a greater good here that, if we choose that behavior or that response to this person or this event or your feelings, then you run the risk of missing an opportunity to be like Christ, to love the other as they deserve to be loved, and to follow your calling in life. And that's one thing I think is really important and of great value in the life of family and parenting is the discernment of our calling right as 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 people like who am i my identity what am i called to and even these behaviors like and the way we address them has a lot to do with how you help how we help our sons and daughters kind of carve out like who they are what they want to be how they want to you know uh, contribute to society and god's kingdom etc so um obedience is huge but i think it's like you mentioned all throughout this kind of conversation is relationship um, really does guide our ability to obey without feeling like I'm just being told to do something, you know? Right. Right. It's like, it's a literal formation and formation is not an overnight thing. Like sometimes we might get annoyed that like 
I've told my six-year-old like 30 billion times. Mm -hmm. But what did Jesus say about forgiving? You have to Mm -hmm. do it 70 times seven. And like back in the day, that was an exorbitant number. Now it's like 11 billion. We Mm -hmm. have to just keep (laughs) saying it over and over and over again. But it's, I think I read somewhere that the neuropathways in our brains aren't fully formed until we're like 21. Mm. Like something, something, it, it was a higher number. Like we're already an adult, like by the time everything is fully formed so Mm -hmm. that means from the time that we're born to the time that we're technically considered an adult Mm -hmm. our brains are still forming so such a good point it's so incredible and like you have to think sometimes i have to go back and remind myself okay if i'm hangry Mm -hmm. i'm gonna react a certain way because i haven't eaten right so of course my child who probably doesn't realize that he's reacting a certain way because he's hungry or that he's tired right i forget who who was that story about in the Bible where God like sent an angel to him so that he could eat and have a nap and then he woke up? I forget what his name was, but he sent an angel to him so that he could like eat and have a nap and the angel would watch over him and like he got up and was a better person for it. I'm going to have to look that yeah. up and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, please do. <laughs> but it's it's a literal formation and like we are we are humans who need sustenance and we need sleep and maybe that is why sometimes we have trouble with obedience because we're clouded by our physical need yeah and we can't focus on our spiritual need i I gotta say so as you're talking i think that's beautiful because we're talking about like the angels ministering to be and we see that in in the gospels right the angels minister to christ in the garden of gethsemane you know there's there's ministering, you know, they come and they protect and they par- carve out that space. And, they, and I think that's beautiful, right? To see like if there's like, let's say an anger or some kind of issue, it's coming from a place where there's a ministry here. We need to minister to the needs of our child. Like we need to correct and discipline, but we also need to see what's going on here. Because mm-hmm. they can't, like you, you were saying, maybe they can't see that for themselves. We ought to have eyes to see, right? And then I want to kind of think of like off of what you're saying about formation, like obedience is for freedom. Like, and I think that's really crucial because we often think in our society, like obedience means, oh, you're just kind of like tethered to something else. And you're just, you know, it's like you're being pulled. You right. know, or like someone's just saying, hey, this is what we need to do. Like beyond the whether you understand the why or the how, whatever, just do it. I'll be obedient to this master, this kind of thing. But it's not like the obedience between master and slave. It's not as that kind of mentality at all. It's again, it's that father, our father in heaven and his children, right on mm. earth. And so, obedience uh, in this regard is our freedom. So I, I think of it along the lines of, and, and as you're talking, um, just this, like imagine not having, like the ability to see, like or or maybe it's pitch black and you don't have the means of, of finding your way out of something or, you you know, um. And somebody that you know, like you can't say, but maybe someone that you hear someone's voice that you trust and you know has your good insight, right? It's not someone that you're like, I don't know if I should listen to this person. Like, you know, this person can help you and loves you. If they guide you, if they say, grab my hand and they walk with you, like that being guided, that being led is freedom, right? It's it's being um, led into led out of something or or led into something let's say right someone else's vision or or uh, ability to see is 
is guiding your own, right? Because you know it's for your good. It's not like they're going to lead you into something worse, right. right? Or something dangerous or something less than good. And so it's this idea of like, you know, if we're not in, until we're 21, this kind of, you know, uh, that's when we associate ourselves with being free, right? It's mm-hmm. like the drinking age and, you know, I'm an adult. <laughs> I do my own laundry and pay my own bills, whatever. And then we're free and, and, and adults and all of this kind of, the sense of we're mature and, and but we all know like age and and uh, those kinds of it doesn't just kind of secure our freedom right freedom is something else uh freedom in christ is what we're made for so this formation for freedom has to do with giving ear to god right his will it's conforming our wills to his mm-hmm. right it's this you know part of the problem is our inability to see things as they are right see life as it is and i and that obedience kind of cultivates that or hopefully is cultivated out of that place of conversion wherein our wills are being conformed to god's will right and our lives are being uh sanctified and on that journey of of salvation and and being set free in christ yeah i love that i had read a study recently about about boundaries and Mm. they had put a fence around a um mm-hmm. a playground and there was a, a playground with a fence and a playground without a fence and the study showed that the playground without a fence the kids tended to stay closer to mm-hmm. the playground structure because they didn't know how far they could go versus when it was fenced in they felt free to explore the entirety of the area because yeah. they knew how far they could go yeah so to me, God is kind of like that fence well and said, like yeah. the Catholic faith kind of creates that structure. Cause I hear a lot of people saying that, you know, Catholics have so many rules. Like we right. have the sacraments, we have, then we got to do this. We got to go stand, sit, kneel, all that right. jazz, but it creates that fence for us. It creates that structure. Like we know everybody's relationship with God is going to be different, but we know that through doing these things that we can get closer mm. to God. And speaking of the sacraments, we have so many heavy topics yeah. in our faith. I mean, even some adults have problems or trouble grasping these concepts. We even have the RCIA program to help kind of explain it. But how can we introduce the faith in a way that kids can understand or even better? Cause my kids do this to me all the time. How do we respond to questions that that we don't have the answer to or like Mm -hmm. maybe aren't quite crystal clear on? Yeah, I think one of the the principles like we talked about engaging with reality for what it is and and that there's a part of us that is limited. Right. We have to recognize our limitations. Right. What you're kind of drawing on now is we're limited in our ability to um, evaluate everything like like we can't as an individual let's say know everything right or evaluate everything on in, in, with precise clarity and and all of this like we can't measure everything perfectly so there's a there's a level there's a gap in our ability to take in and, and to know everything and, and so we recognize that and that's part of our ongoing conversation i think with with god with the church with our family it, it's we recognize that in ourselves, and therefore we we recognize our need for a relationship, right? Um, and we do this in school systems, and we need others to help us learn the way, right? So being a member of the church, having 
you know, the, the catechism, having the teachings of the church, but also just as a principle, like the need for revelation, right? Like, so God reveals things about man that we can't possibly know ourselves. He reveals himself and our relationship with him. And part of that revelation, I mean, the, f- fulfillment, the fullness of that revelation is in Christ. And Christ reveals to us the meaning, purpose, dignity uh, of, of life, right? as anchored in a relationship with God. And so the values that Jesus presents to us are real values. They're values that sometimes cut across, cut against the grain of what the world presents to us as values. So I think one of the things as parents is to say, okay, like I might not be able to know all of theology like right now or ever. Like I am as a Catholic, a baptized Catholic, a theologian in some sense, right? Like I I want to love God, and so in order to be in a loving relationship with God, I strive to know Him and to know Him better and better and better. Like, and it doesn't mean you ever like, you know, solve it. You know, solve the puzzle of God. There's a mystery here, right? And yet, it's part of that relationship, right? Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." He is true, and we know He's true. Like, I can know my wife is real, and her love for me is real by her actions and and the vows we've taken and our life together. And yet she's a mystery, right? There's a relation relationship there. And there's a need for her to reveal things about herself to me, like what she's thinking or what she's going through, or maybe a memory or whatever. Through our lives together, she reveals more of her truth, right? Who she is. And there's this beautiful uh, reality here that we're being led into a fuller reception of 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 how God reveals himself. Now he he does so finally in scripture and, and through Christ and in the church uh, in the church. And yet we need to engage with that subjectively. And that's a lifelong process for us. And there's ways, you know, I don't know about you, but like there's phases in our lives where like maybe it's easier for you to like pray the rosary um and and to be in that that devoted relationship with the blessed mother and and allow her into our lives to kind of help us cultivate that relationship with Christ. And there's times where you feel really inspired by the Holy Spirit and, and you're you're wanting to learn more about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then God the Father really resonates. And now you're learning about that and how the Trinity, you know, so our lives like, like are led, right? So there's we're limited, but we're also being led, right? God doesn't leave us alone. He gives us what we need. And so to know that we don't have it all is is good in as much as we know that it is there. Like there are answers. We don't have to like make it up. Like God walked the face of the earth and showed us what we need to know. And part of that is life, death, and resurrection, including the cross. And I think mentioning that, like, our limitations aren't just not knowing at all. It's our limitations are fear, wanting comfort, and things that, the you know, maybe looking at success in our own way, right? Like, that's not really success in a worldly perspective, right? We're like, that's a failure. You got executed or, you know, and yet... That's his throne. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's his. That's his throne, right? It's where he accomplishes his mission, right? And so it's it's a challenge, right? It's a limitation that is not just oh I can't know it all, but it's a it's a limitation in our ability to accept God's values as our own. Um, and we have to be aware of that. That we're going to want more comfort. We're going to want whatever it is that the world offers that provides for us safe and safety, cozy security yeah. um and it's not to dismiss those things as as just evils like comfort's evil but 
it, it can become a disorder. We can have a disordered attachment to comfort and reject something that God's calling us to. And so our Christ's values, our values, right, is the poverty of spirit, something that we see as valuable, right? Is he our king on the cross? Or do we have our king elsewhere, right? Do we bow down to something else? So that kind of, these are difficult things to grasp. Um, and I don't think we ever have a firm grasp of them wherein we're like all in, right? Like, God, God forbid I sit here and say, like, oh, I'm just, yeah, I'll pick up my cross every day. But there's times where we re- reject God's values and choose the values that are less than, right? But I think it's knowing enough to know, like, all right, I, you know, in my prayer, am I, am I praying? Am I going to Mass? Am I trying to understand the sacrifice of the cross, right? If he tells, if Jesus says that in order to follow me, you have to pick up your cross daily, do I believe that? Like, where's my heart at? Like, I, I want to know more intellectually, but it's also an engagement with my whole person, my heart, my feelings, my struggles, my, you know, my my pride, my pitfalls, whatever. Um, how much, you know, I can struggle with having a grasp on all of these uh, express like theological like what's the incarnation and how does that apply? I I need to know where to go. I have the catechism, I'm teaching the church. I have my pastor. I have um, maybe certain friends of mine that I know that are devout, you know. And um, but it's also, you know, my own desire, my eager to know these things. Do I see them as important? Do I recognize my own limitations that I don't know at all? Um, but also that I'm kind of I, I have sin in my life and I'm afraid and and. Uh, you know, my need, do I recognize my need? And I think, like, if our kids ask us something, like, say, that, that is beyond our understanding, we don't have to say, you know, I don't know that, and there's probably no answer to that, or we don't have to despair, right? We can be hopeful and say, okay, like, I, I never really thought of it that way. And that's really cool that you're thinking of that, and that's going to make me a a better follower of Christ because I'm going to look into that and pray about it and engage with it. And then maybe we could do that together in some way. Um, so that, that kind of, that journey of parenting is also like a journey of increasing our ability to engage with what God's inviting us into, right? And it, and it changes. It's dynamic just like it is with our kids. Um, so God's values um, are to be our own, right? Because that's going to be our happiness. And I think if that's our principle, if we understand that, we trust that, like our limitations aren't going to be um, barriers. They're actually going to be pathways to greater understanding, right? Our limitations become, you know, it's like, it's, it's a, like I want independence from that bad thing because they're lording it over me, right? But God's not like that, right? God doesn't lord it over us, right? Jesus came to serve, like he says. So his love for us is, pursue, is pursuing us. It's, it wants to fill us up. So... Our limitations aren't our weaknesses or our lack, lackings or shortcomings aren't barriers to relationship with Christ as long as we're in relationship with him. We're not sinning. We're, we're hoping in him and we're turning to him in trust and faith. And so, um, yeah, if we don't know something, that's okay. Um, there's always a way of learning that and bringing our children or our teens or whatever into that experience. But I think it's a matter of like, where are, like, do we have the values um, that God has? Do we understand those? Are we growing in understanding of those? We look through scripture, we look through the teachings of the church, the lives of the saints, et cetera. 
That's a great idea so that, you know, you're, you're giving your child the, the tools Mm-hmm. to find this information as well and mm-hmm. to develop their own relationships instead of saying like because i've been guilty of this my son yeah. will ask me a, a difficult question i'm like i don't know it's a mystery because yeah. the catholic yeah. church is full of mysteries yeah right right instead i can say you know hey that's that's a great idea i don't know the answer to that right mm-hmm. now but maybe you could think of somebody who we could go ask like maybe right. we can ask the priest at your school mm-hmm. or maybe we can ask the teacher or you know at mass on sunday yeah and continuing on the topic of, of mass for a long time, I had a really hard time going to church. Like if I did, if I went, I was always in the back of like in the narthex or in one of the pews in case mm-hmm. like one of my kids decided to lose it yeah. during the hour um, or just needed to move their little legs because they like to run around. Yep. My church is one of the ones that doesn't have a crying room. Mm-hmm. So every time I would, you know, be hanging out in the back and somebody would scream and Or if I was in the pew and somebody would start wiggling too much, try Mm -hmm. to run up the aisle, say the mass themselves, like I would (laughs) be chasing them and then take them out. And you can just kind of feel Mm -hmm. everybody's eyes on you. And it's like it's embarrassing. And you just you're you feel shame for Mm -hmm. interrupting somebody else's relationship with God, like you're bothering them. And for a long time, I rather stay home Mm -hmm. than try to impose on other people. So. What would you say or what kind of advice do you have to the parent or parents that might feel this way about taking their kids to church? Yeah, I think we've all we've all been there. And, and the, you know, even with, so for me, we have a bunch of we have a couple of toddlers and, you know, my daughter with Down syndrome and um, it can get pretty rowdy at church at mass. And so sometimes it's like, oh. It's gonna be tough, you know. Or, yeah, you almost have to you know, like, like a have a game plan, right. and you're yeah, like, prepping. You gotta get yeah. in the mindset. All right, like we're only gonna be here right. for an hour. It's gonna we yeah. we can do this. We got the snacks. We got right. the, you know. And here's mass, right? It's like the most holy sacrifice in the mass, and like we're like trying to just like barely just just trying so, to like, get through <laughs> it. Yes, and I get it, and I and I think um, it's important to recognize that, and to I think applaud parents. Like parents should go to mass. Like we should bring our children to mass and fight the temptation to. To say I'm not, I'm just not going to go because it's difficult. Or get, it's it, it's an awareness, like to, to say, okay, like we're in this together, right? No one's alone, and we need families, right? Like we need one another, like we're a body, you know. And and so, I think we need to do a better job as a church, like in, in general, like and maybe not in the teachings of the church, but like, like on a general like parish level, and to really just, you know call out family and say thanks for coming here we know it's difficult you know because it's really sometimes as a parent you're not even able to pay attention you're trying your best to keep your children from exploding yes you know? <laughs> for lack of a better term you know it's like oh man you know and um so this idea of like no like we're a family and you know it, there's there's a need to really embrace that difficulty as a family offered up in a sense like we're there, we're there at mass to be a part to not only receive what Christ is doing on our behalf, but to be to participate in that ourselves, to bring ourselves into that sacrifice, right? To to uh, worship our God where we're at, you know, because like we're not called to worship at some like perfect time in our lives, like like hopefully we're worshiping then too, right? When when we get there, I mean soon, right? But we're called to worship in the midst of our lives. Like our lives are our worship, right? Like we're offering to the God in Christ. And so when we go with our families and it's messy and it's great, like we're, we're 
offering that up, right, for the sake of Christ's body, right? We are the church in that way. And so the difficulty of it is the sacrifice in and of itself, right? It is. I mean, because ultimately, like, we want to be edified. We want to go and be able to focus and pray. And, and it's just with young children, it's really, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's possible. I mean, I don't want to say it's impossible, but not with my kids. It's not possible with my children. You know, the church is not this uniform, rigidly kind of disciplined entity. It's organic, right? Like it's it's hierarchical and institutional, but it's also peopled with the faithful. Um, and when we when we have disabilities and imperfections and, um, you know, uh, young children that are loud at mass, like that's part of the picture. It's part of God's plan. It's not like we made it up and we're like frustrating the system by and putting little kids into it. God calls the children to himself. Now, obviously, his parents, you know, if our kids are being rowdy, you know, we, we try our best to make sure they're not having a fit or something. You know, we try to keep them um, in line and, and not being very distracting to others. With that said, um, I feel sorry for the people that... Um, allow like a child's voice to, to be like oh they're, they're not let me pray or like you know it becomes a, a place of like bitter like it shouldn't be bitterness there like that's a wound that someone else has somewhere you know um the voice of children the call, the sound of children in church you know many great pastors will say like that that's a sign of life for them right it's it's a, it's what it ought to sound like and so it's it's one of those things like we have to be able to embrace other, other people and if if the kid's noisier um, and then parents having difficulty, you know, we should pray and, and hope that that parent gets the help they need and the space they need to have their prayer lives and, and all this. Like we should say, oh, I was there. And hopefully maybe you were there once. Maybe you've never experienced that. Maybe you never had children. But it's a, it should be, a, we should always address others with humility. Um, so as parents, we, we need to be humble too and, and say, okay, like we don't have it all together. We're going to try our best this time. Last time was maybe less than desirable you know but this time we're going to try our best and if something happens we take them out of the church we walk around we we try but being at mass being actively engaged with with the the communal worship of the body of Christ like that's not a that's not like something we we want to like option for that that is who we are right it's who we are as a people and so we go and hopefully we can attend with without having any um, instances or whatever we want to call them. But different families have different struggles and all these things. Like, but God forbid we're, if we, we're just, you know, in a place of uh, they don't have it together, or we have a bitterness or something like this. And I think that shame we feel as parents, I think sometimes it's from others, but sometimes it's just, our, you know, the enemy trying to discourage us, right? It's like, you shouldn't be here. Mm. Right? You don't have it all together. Like, look at your kids. They're going to see you like, don't like, have it all together. Like, yeah. Everything. Like, I was just talking to my wife. I was like, I was telling her I was going to come talk with you. And I was like, I shouldn't even be, you know, who am I to like talk to anyone about parenting? Like, you know, my daughter's like mad at me for not being able to engage with something she's interested in or something. And like, I failed and we're talking about colleges and things. She's 17, well, you know, and it's difficult. And we're trying to work through something. I'm like, man, like, I don't have answers here. You know, like I need, I need, I need God's grace in order to just, you know, get along here, you know, <laughs> figure it out. Like, so there's that, the enemy's like, who are you? You know, why are you here? Where are you going to the altar? You know, your kids are, you know, snot noses running around, you know, screaming and whatever. 
for, you know, that, that's not God, right? God's not saying, like, who are you to approach the altar? Mm. Who are you to be with me? Like, we're baptized. Like, we're brought into relationship with him. Like, he wants our greatest good. And our greatest good is to be with him. He's not going to say, go away and come back when you're perfect or when you're ready or your kids can shut up for 10 minutes, you know? He's going to say, man, that, that's a challenge, you know, it's a challenge. But, you know, I gave him that energy, you know, and, and maybe if we can work together to kind of see ourselves as a body of believers, as a family, as brothers and sisters, like as we're said, as we are, we can then approach the altar together in a way that's more conducive to everyone's holiness and not so isolating because that isolation is not of God, right? That bitter kind of resentment and distraction is not of God. Now, obviously, like, if our kids are wailing and we're just sitting there, you know, that, that could be difficult for people. And maybe we shouldn't do that. We should take our kids to, so they don't distract others and things. But things do happen. And sometimes I've... I, an hour's a long time for a little an kid. An hour's a long time for a kid. And I've seen it. I've seen it in times where, I, I, I'll just say it, like, where there's a mom by herself with three small children. I've seen it. And there's no, she has no help. Dad's not there. She's alone and the kids are, she's trying to hold. I've seen it and thought, you don't want to impose and be like, hey, do you need a hand? But it's also like, she's alone and she can't carry all those kids. And like, we're a family. We can go help. Like, it's not like a strange guy coming up, like, I'll help you. But like, hey, my wife might be able to go and help. I can watch our kids or something. Mm -hmm. Have eyes out like that for others, you know. That was me one time. My husband was away. Yeah. with the military and it was just me and the three boys and we got mm -hmm. up for communion mm -hmm. and the woman giving communion she looks at me and she goes oof yeah yeah i got you <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's and it's not judging saying like why is dana it's just okay like she's alone or, or he's alone maybe i don't mm -hmm. know but like it's not but um, they're there right, they made the effort there. that's the main thing that's the important thing yeah well, Adam, thank you so thank much. You, I thought Rachel. this was really enlightening. It gives me some more tools for our toolbox. Yeah, and absolutely. A different perspective. So thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D-A-C and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.